0: Well, our reading today comes from Second Timothy, and we are in chapter 1. We're just going to be reading verses 13 to 14. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit, who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Well, let's pray and ask for God's help as we look at that passage together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the blessing it is to be able to gather around it now. We pray that as we do, that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, you know what each one of us needs to hear today, um, and you know exactly where each of us is at today. Um, And you have brought us here together for a purpose, and so we pray that your Spirit would be at work in our midst now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder if you can think of a time where you were embarrassed. Sorry if that stirs up some unhelpful, painful memories. Uh, a time that immediately comes to mind for me was when I was a 16 year old prefect in high school. And one day at our prefect's meeting, I was given the responsibility of reading the register to a room of about 50. Of my peers. Now by the time I was 16, uh, my voice had already pretty much descended to what you hear today, somewhere way down in the bass notes. But, but my voice hadn't quite finished that descent, which led to my embarrassment that day. As I worked my way through the register, everything seemed to be going quite well. And then, without warning, as I was halfway through reading the name Craig Lambert, I still remember the name, my voice made a sudden involuntary movement from a bass to a falsetto uh, as I squeaked out Craig's surname. Uh, Needless to say, the entire room had a good laugh at my expense. Uh, And it was one of those moments where I just wanted the ground to swallow me up. And there are times when I listen to Coldplay every time I hear Chris Martin go and do that high-pitched thing. It just takes me right back uh, to that moment. Uh, Despite that traumatizing experience, I still managed to end up doing public speaking for a living. Now, momentary embarrassment is one thing. Uh, It's not pleasant at the time. But it often leaves us with a memory that we can share with others and have a bit of a laugh about. But shame, shame is different, isn't it? The things we're ashamed of, we generally don't want anyone else to know about. uh, Because we fear that if they found out, then they would think less of us. Or they would distance themselves from us. Uh, We live at a time where public shaming is becoming increasingly common where someone can be cancelled or shamed into silence if their views don't align with the prevailing views of the cultural moment. And the temptation for us as Christians when we see that happening is to keep quiet about our faith, to avoid any chance that, that we might be shamed for believing a message that is unpopular with many. Now, maybe you don't feel that temptation. Maybe you're quite happy to be open about your faith, and if that's the case, that's great. But for many of us, that temptation to keep our heads down, to to not talk about Jesus outside of our church community, to be ashamed of the gospel at some level, is very real. And it's a temptation that was felt keenly by the recipient of this letter that we've been looking at over the past few weeks. At the beginning of the letter, Paul urges Timothy not to be ashamed, And we saw last week that there were two reasons why Timothy might be tempted to be ashamed. Uh, One of them was that he might be tempted to be ashamed of Paul because of his status as a prisoner. In that shame and honor culture, being imprisoned uh, really was the lowest of the low. So the temptation for Timothy to distance himself from Paul, to avoid bringing any shame upon himself, it was strong as was the temptation to be ashamed of the gospel that Paul proclaimed. The gospel was a message about a crucified saviour. And in that culture, crucifixion was a disgraceful way to die. So to be associated with a message like that, it really was a, a shameful thing. You know, people would look and say, what do you mean believe in a crucified saviour, a crucified Jewish peasant. How ridiculous would you have to be to believe in something like that? So it was likely to get you shamed and it was likely to get you in trouble. Timothy only needed to look at Paul's situation, stuck in prison, facing execution to see the kind of trouble that you might get into. So Timothy knew all too well that temptation to be ashamed of the gospel to keep his head down and that's why Paul's exhortation to Timothy in the passage that we're looking at today is so helpful to us because it's just as as applicable to, to those of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus today. If we want to know how we should respond to that temptation to be ashamed then We need to take these verses to heart. So if you look with me at verse 13, Paul writes, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So the first thing that Paul urges Timothy to do to counter that temptation to be ashamed is to follow the pattern. But what pattern is he talking about? Well, it's the pattern, Paul says, of the sound words That you have heard from me. And he's talking there uh, about the words that uh, he's essentially summarized in verses 9 to 11. And what you have in verse 9 to 11 is a summary of the gospel message that in Jesus Christ, God manifested himself. He entered into our world in the person of his Son. And he walked and he talked on this earth for a little over 30 years, proclaiming that he was the one who could save people from their sins and reconcile them to God. He then went and did just that when he died on the cross, bearing the punishment for sinful people, and then he rose to life again, defeating death, promising forgiveness and eternal life to anyone who would put their trust in him. Those are the The sound words of the gospel. And Paul urges Timothy to follow them, to believe them, to have confidence in them. And if we're Christians, then that call goes for us as well. Every time we are tempted to be ashamed, we can remember that the gospel is sound. It's true. It can be trusted. And we can have confidence that it stands up to scrutiny, that the God who made the world and everything in it has revealed himself to us in Jesus. He is the ultimate answer to life's deepest questions. Absolute truth is found in him. Now, In the marketplace of ideas, to say that there is such a thing as absolute truth, that is something that is frowned upon. To say that there is a right and a wrong answer when it comes to God, that's seen as intolerant of other people's sincerely held beliefs. But if God really has revealed himself in Jesus Christ, well, then that changes everything, doesn't it? If God really came to earth 2,000 years ago in the person of Jesus, then that means that he has shown us how to know him, how to relate to him. And the way that he's chosen to relate to us is through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, except through me. If what Jesus says is true, then that means that if you don't believe him, then however sincere your belief, Jesus is saying, you are sincerely wrong. Now, you don't need me to tell you that the exclusive claims of Jesus, they fly in the face Of the prevailing view of a culture that says that no one can insist that their view of God is better than all the rest. But Christians are people who believe that what Jesus said is true, that he can be trusted, that his message is sound, and we are called to share that message with our world, even if it meets with opposition we've already highlighted some of the opposition that Timothy faced both outside and inside the church. And here is Paul writing from prison in chains for sharing that message. When we faithfully share the message of the gospel somewhere along the way, the message of this letter is that that will meet with hostility. And when that opposition, when that suffering comes, Paul calls Timothy and he calls us to follow the pattern in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. If we're accused of arrogance, if we're accused of intolerance or worse, we're to look to the example of our Savior. We only need to look at Jesus to see the incredible opposition uh, that his message met with. Opposition that led ultimately to his death. And yet, even as he hung, dying on the cross, he prayed for his persecutors. He loved his enemies. And that same faith and love, it ought to characterize our interactions. We have a message that we can have total confidence in. But that is no excuse for arrogance in our tone or our approach. As we follow the pattern, we're to do so humbly, lovingly, after the example of our Savior, always being prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks us to give a reason for the hope that we have. And that humility and love, it doesn't just go for our interactions with those outside the church. It also goes for our interactions with one another inside the church, In his first letter, Peter writes to the church that love covers over a multitude of sins. And the kind of love he is talking about is the same kind of love that Paul mentions here. When someone wrongs us, the temptation is to hold on to that wrong, to let it fester, or to meet fire with fire. And that kind of attitude can do great damage in the church. But God's people are called to love like our Savior, to forgive one another, to be patient with one another, to respond to hostility with love. So much heartache and and division would be avoided in the church if God's people chose to love like that. So to counter that temptation to be ashamed, Timothy is to follow the pattern, to have confidence and the truthfulness of the gospel message, and to respond to any hostility with love. And secondly, Timothy is to guard the message. Paul writes verse 14, By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So the good deposit that Paul is referring to is is the gospel in its fullest sense. The entire message of the Christian faith. But how does Timothy go about guarding the gospel message? Does he hide it away in a holy huddle uh, and just hope for the best? Does he try and keep the, the world out there and avoid engaging with anyone who might attack the message or undermine that message? No, absolutely not. It is clear from this letter that the way to guard the gospel is to teach it clearly. Timothy was facing all kinds of opposition inside the church to alter that message, to focus on other things, to tell people what their itching ears wanted to hear. But he was to remain faithful to the gospel, to to not get sidetracked, to, to not dumb it down. And he was to train others to teach it as well. That's what Paul encourages him to do in chapter 2, verse 2, to train teachers. And in chapter 4, verse 2, he, he urges Timothy to preach the word. We don't guard the gospel by keeping it to ourselves and hiding it away. We guard it by teaching it clearly and sharing it faithfully, by holding it up for public scrutiny, so that people can see the truthfulness of that message. They can see that it makes sense, that it is sound, that it is trustworthy, that it stands up to any opposition. It's my experience that that often the times where I've had most confidence in the gospel message is when I'm actually sharing it with someone, responding To questions and and objections. It's in those times that the gospel shows itself to be more than able to meet any challenge. And, And that's why we welcome questions and objections here. If you're skeptical, if you've got questions, we believe that the gospel has the answers. Now, of course, as Christians, there are times when we don't immediately have the answer to every question, and sometimes that can hold us back from sharing our faith, because we're worried that we might end up in a situation where we're, we're a bit stumped. Well, it's okay to say, I don't know, uh, but I can try and find out for you. Uh, And there are loads of good resources that are available that we can recommend to help when it comes to answering people's questions. Uh, Our hope in the next couple of weeks, um, you might have seen those beautiful shelves that are being uh, painted out uh, in the foyer, and our hope is in the next couple of weeks that we will be starting a little uh, book stall out there with just helpful resources for people to access so that they can uh, equip themselves as they look to understand in their faith. And there's lots of good stuff that engages with various things at the moment. So we would encourage that. And of course, as we read our Bibles, it helps us and strengthens us and equips us to answer the questions that people have. Now, the overarching theme of this letter, as I mentioned last week, it's found in verse eight of chapter one, where Paul calls Timothy to share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And just as following the pattern can lead to suffering, so does guarding the good deposit. If we're faithful to the gospel, then it is normal for a Christian at some stage to suffer for it. It's not unusual. It's normal. We just heard in the prayer as Peter prayed about some Indian women who have faced that suffering for being at a party with their Bibles. You know, and it's certainly true for Christian leaders. Paul knew that and Timothy knew it as well. This seasoned leader had been reduced to tears due to the opposition that he was facing from those both outside and inside the church. A church leader, a Christian who follows the pattern and guards the good deposit, will suffer for it. And if we're trying to do that in our own strength, out of our own giftedness, well, we'll eventually be tempted to give up. But the message of this letter, it isn't just that faithfulness leads to suffering. It's that when we suffer, we're to do so in the power of God. We're not meant to go it alone. Verse 8 doesn't end with suffering. It focuses on the power of God. And that's the same in verse 14 of the passage we're looking at today. Timothy is called to guard the good deposit by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. The Holy Spirit who gave Timothy power, love, and self-control is the same spirit who will enable him to keep preaching and teaching the gospel in the face of opposition. Clearly, Paul felt Timothy needed to be reminded of that as he wept over the challenges of ministry, as he struggled with the temptation to be ashamed of the gospel. And maybe today, you need to be reminded of that as well. Maybe you've been struggling with your confidence in the gospel. Maybe you're very conscious of feeling like an outlier for what you believe. Maybe you're fearful of being shamed for your faith, so you just kind of try to keep your head down. Or maybe you've been shamed for your faith, and you feel like you're on your own. Well, take heart. You are not alone. I mean, just look at your Savior. Look at how he was opposed. Look at the way that he was shamed. As he went to the cross, as he was held up for public disgrace, as he was mocked, as he was beaten, as he was spat upon, as he faced howls of derision. He was utterly humiliated and as he died and as he prayed for those people that hated him he was willing to do that so that we could know what it is to be forgiven but he didn't stay dead he rose to life again he ascended to heaven and he is glorified and he sent his spirit to help his people. And that same spirit who dwelt within Timothy still dwells within his people today, empowering us, enabling us to keep following the pattern, to keep guarding the good deposit in the midst of suffering. So trust in him. Rely in him. Have confidence in him to give you every resource you need as you lift up the name of Jesus so that the world can see not shame, but glory. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your goodness to us in Jesus Christ. We thank you that he was willing to face suffering and shame so that we might know forgiveness and life. And Lord God, it's often so hard in our situation to speak up for you, we face that temptation to be ashamed. And we pray, Lord God, that you would strengthen us by your Spirit to follow the pattern and guard the good deposit, to lift Jesus up so that people can see his wonder, his beauty, and the the forgiveness that he offers to anyone who would receive it. And as we come to the table now to take bread and wine, we pray, Lord God, that we would be reminded again and refreshed by your Spirit as we remember his love for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.